0: It is 4.06 on the Central Coast. On Wednesday, December 21st, 2022, Dave Congleton with you, uh, marching through the afternoon. In about an hour, our good friend Rick London is going to join us for, geez, I don't know, about 25 years. He's been part of United Way, but now he is stepping down, and he is taking on a new role as the head of the Temple of the People down in Halcyon, a place with a rich history. Anyway, Rick has a lot to explain. He'll do that later. And then at 6.05, we're going to run another open line because we only have five 6 o'clock segments left to go on this show until we go down to our three-hour format starting January 3rd. So whatever you want to talk about, we will talk about. This hour, we're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about the book that has become the most banned book in the country. It's called Gender Queer. USA Today starts off the conversation. Gender Queer doesn't take long to read, an hour or two tops. The brightly colored illustrations in Maya Kobabi's autobiographical graphic novel tell the story of the author's gender journey and eventual coming out as non-binary and are meant to help readers, both queer readers and their allies, better understand non-binary identities. The book is clear, concise, helpful, and honest. It's also the most banned book in the country, according to the American Library Association, which last year logged the highest number of book-banning attempts since it began recording data in 2000. There's a lot there to talk about. Fortunately, we always have Annie Lorenzen available to join in for a conversation. She joins us now. Annie, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Dave. How are you and
0: your dog doing?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to probably move. It's my sister's dachshund, <laughs> and he's a loud mouth, lime kind That's of guy. Right. Oh, there he stopped. All right. Okay.
0: We don't want to have to ban what? him.
1: No, we're going to try not to. Yeah.
0: Well, we should say at the outset, uh, well, let me just speak for myself. I have not read the book.
1: And I have not either, although okay. because of you, I went on a deep dive reading all the reviews I could find across every possible literary review person right so and and thanks, th- this Dave. is part
0: th- yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the effort. That's one of the reasons we reach out to you, Annie. What sparked yeah. this in me is a very lengthy article in today's Los Angeles Times. Although if you Google uh, "gender queer," it just comes up all over the place. When you're the mm-hmm. most banned book in the country, there's a lot to read about with this. So yeah. uh, let me just start with a general question, Annie. It, and we'll take phone calls later on. We'll give people a chance to weigh on, on this as well. What is your attitude towards book banning under what circumstances should a book be banned from either a library shelf or a school who decides
1: you know that's that's what i really tried to stay with as i pondered this all afternoon and um that's that's really tricky because you know from state to state let alone from you know country to country or whatever you never you never really know for sure who has that privilege it's it's a, it's a it's an onus and a responsibility to to review a book to the point where you decide for a whole town a whole country whatever it's city or school who gets who does, who whose book needs to be removed from public access and so that that's going to really determine that variance that variety that disparity of how people review or decide how books are banned it is just it's it's obviously impacted this book a lot um and on the other hand, you know what is our individual responsibility we have an individual responsibility to i'm I'm not a pro book banning kind of gal i i just i can't put my head around, and I've tried to go through in history and look at books that have been banned, Dave, you know, I I don't think that's the best way to handle a book, especially one that's it's very obvious is going to be read a lot, whether it's banned or not.
0: Yeah. And in this case, genderqueer has been banned in at least 49 school districts, In states Mm -hmm. including Florida, Texas, Michigan, Utah, and others. And I -hmm. I guess, Annie, we should underscore, uh, again with a disclaimer, we have not read the book, but I guess this is her memoir of coming of age. I'll quote the L.A. Times here. It's a uh, insightful and moving coming-of-age discovery of identity as non-binary. For some of our listeners, that simply means this author chooses not to identify as male or female.
1: Two Mm -hmm. years
0: after its publication, the narrative, notable for its startling honesty and explicit drawings, became the most banned book in America. A target of school boards, conservative candidates, preachers, and parental groups who condemned it as pornography aimed at impressionable children. Supported by librarians and vilified by Moms for Liberty, Kobabi was tugged from the writing life into the nation's cultural wars. Yeah,
1: and, you know, there was... I I found a way to center myself in the issue when I read a review of the book um, by, and I I can't remember which online site that is considered not liberal or conservative, um, and the book was written, it, it says, the author said at the time, et cetera, et cetera, the book was written for adults, and it would be of interest It's written for adults, but it would be of interest, and that does not say it's appropriate for this age group, but it says for 12- to 18-year-olds, because I think that's the period that she covers in her memoir. Right. Um, The problem I have, and it's one you're not unfamiliar with because um, it's something that in the book world is talked about a lot, this is not a young adult memoir. It was a memoir written for adults. It was not written for 12- to 18-year-olds but the, the i think the 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 thing that is to be respected about it and understood about it is written for adults and a lot of adults either know personally or know of closely or just know of kids between the ages of 12 18, eight to 18 who are struggling with their sexuality so what happens in the book world like it did when um the novel about the vampires and and all that I can't remember the name of it. No, I hate it when that happens lately. Big, big deal several years ago. Um, was published for young adults, and it's not young adult material. And yet, I had kids as young as third grade who were reading it with their families. Are you thinking, um, of, are you
0: thinking of Twilight?
1: Yes, thank you, Dave. Twilight. Thank you, and I read the books. I read them more than once or twice because I was dealing with kids in junior high, younger and older. So. You know, the the problem that I have with something, even if it's beautifully done, beautifully timely, and is important, I have a problem with how it's distributed. It is not a book for 12- to 18-year-olds. It was for, written for how, adults.
0: But how about for 18-year-olds?
1: Well, it's 12- to 18-year-olds, 18-year-olds, so many of them are considered adults. Many of us know 18-year-olds, right. where we would defy that and say give them a couple more years. But, yeah, legally, they're 18-year-olds. So most 18-year-olds, at least for a while, most, not all, still live at home, still live maybe with siblings, maybe not, are still going to high school, maybe they're in college. Um, That would be a different thing altogether. So where it is allowed to just be it I would disagree that it would be a good idea to put it in young adult fiction. I You know, this is a sensitive issue that she has handled, as nearly as I can tell, haven't read it, as sensitively, compassionately, articulately as she can, and as she has. And it's gotten some awards because it is for what right. she's trying to accomplish in the memoir. It's a good book. Right. Um, so we run into problems when... There's not an overseer, and I don't maybe one, maybe layers or whatever, where parents can be comfortable. Not every 12 to 18 year old in this country is ready for what this young gal, this young this woman has made her memoir about. Right. Many but, might be. Yeah. So to put it in general, I'll call it general population. Oh, that's that's prison isn't it? Anyway, to put it in a general population place. I don't think that's a good idea, because that becomes, it would become, for some people, salacious. Even that one review, you know, the way it was written was not meant to be salacious, but by people looking for trouble, who don't want that book out because they don't know it, they don't understand it, and more importantly, they don't want to know or understand it, they're going to pick up on that.
0: Well, then what about the argument that uh, the L.A. Times points out, Christian conservatives are criticizing the book as uh, grooming children for the LGBTQ lifestyle.
1: That you know that, in my opinion, because I bet most of them haven't read it. And now I know we know I haven't read this. That's that is that is harsh, and that is that is rhetoric that inflames. Um, the problem is if younger kids who have no idea about any of this stuff and and aren't ready, you know, a lot of children just aren't ready for that because they haven't worked it out, their parents haven't worked it out with them, what's happening for them and with them, um, Then um, then we have a real problem. And parents feel like they're being left out of, you know, hey, I want to address those issues with my child. Now, the problem is a lot of people never do. We know that. But yeah. a lot of people do try. So if somebody's not ready to put it right under their nose, It looks to somebody who's super, super conservative and scared and fearful of what their children are being exposed to as a form of grooming, because what's in that book is very, very graphic from I mean, I've read deeply into what. Her illustrations are about and what have you. Well, let me point
0: and, let me point that out if ahead. I may, Annie, because as, as you're right, it is a so-called graphic novel. The book's illustrations include masturbation, an oral sex encounter, and an erotic image of a man and boy illustrated on an ancient Greek urn. They've been considered too graphic by many school boards and parents who are alarmed that children are increasingly questioning their gender and sexual orientation.
1: I, I, and, and, you know, that is, to me, that is alarming because it is happening. And now it was not this person's desire or or intention to groom anybody who's, you know, wondering what's going on with them in the, in a younger age group. Her whole thing was, and she says in several articles and in several, um, interviews that, you know, she's gotten 10 to 1. Thank yous as opposed to you know negative right. response from people who say thank you so my my response to that would be, and I tried to get a librarian to get a to get a stand you know to get a point of view from a librarian about banning books, but it's not i waited too long today to do that, so why can't we have a place where The librarian knows this topic is. And suppose a parent and a kid or a kid singly comes in and says, I need some help. I need to find this out. Um, And the librarian could say, is your mom or dad available? Can they give us, you know, consent? Because the librarian would know we have a book. That has helped a lot of people. Uh, and like it, this young kids. I, kid.
0: I, I got to get this break. And Annie Lorenzen is with us for the hour. We're talking about the controversy surrounding genderqueer, the number one banned book in the country. And also talking about this the whole idea of banning books and why we do that and on what grounds we do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to welcome your phone calls and read your text messages for Annie Lorenz and after news at the bottom of the hour as we focus on this uh, book called Gender Queer, the number one banned book in the country. And just to underscore how serious this discussion is, just a few weeks ago, according to USA Today, a Virginia judge tossed out a lawsuit that sought to deem gender queer obscene. And restrict its distribution, even in retail stores. So somebody is actually trying to keep it out of stores. So Annie, as we're back with you, what I'm hearing you say from that first segment is that you're opposed to book banning, but you do feel that under certain circumstances, certain books should be restricted. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's fair to say. So then, what's what what are those what are those circumstances? Is it the parents who decide? The school who decides?
1: You know, I, what drove the call to the library, libraries today was because I think that this book is one of those books, like Harry Potter, like you know James Joyce's book. You go all through history. I think it's one of those books that's important, needs to be restricted. But I think that professionals who handle books, distribute books, and to the to the wider public should read it and know it's available for for people who need to have a reference to help them get through what they're going to get through. You know, with a graphic novel, the uh, it not only can create a situation where conversations arise and somebody can be far more comfortable with who they are, for example, if they, find, they really decide, I am non-binary or whatever, but it could also do the other. It could also awaken somebody who thought they were curious or is curious. And in reading the graphic novel and seeing, and uh, and what this author has offered of her own personal experience, could decide very handily, I, oh, wait, that's not me. Yeah. So I think it's important. But I think doctors should know about this who are treating kids who are struggling with sexuality or families who bring their kids in because they think they are. Um, I think teachers need to be aware of what it is because it's going to have an underground uh cult following if it doesn't already. Um, they need to. Adults need to know what the book is about. They need to understand where this woman was coming through when she when this what this uh, who this oh, author where right. she was coming where she calls herself er oh. where or, or e or e anyway yeah. she don't yeah, don't I'm go not there. good at pronouns yeah. I apologize right. anyway. We have a responsibility as adults, as teachers, as doctors, as librarians, to understand what this book is.
0: All right. So then, the hypothetical, what mm-hmm. would be wrong in a senior high school class where these students are, I don't know, 17, 18, most of them many of them have had some degree of sexual encounter based upon the research. What would be wrong with having this novel required reading in an English class or whatever so that students who are, shall we say, traditional students have more empathy towards non-binary students?
1: I I would not make it mandatory, number one. I wouldn't make it a required read. What I would offer would be a seminar, of st- with students who are who are the least bit interested, um, the book can be marketed in a way that is compassionate, thoughtful, etc, because not all eighteen year olds are going to want to hear this, and not all eighteen year old parents uh, parents of eighteen year olds who are still in high school are going to want them just have this required reading. I think it would be a great book for a seminar where a group reads it together where there 's open conversation where there 's no judgment it 's just this this hey look at this what this author has done what do you think what is its value what concerns you about it i would uh, i would love to be involved with something Uh, i don't well i would but i would i would think that would be a very fine way to do that um parents would have it would be required reading for parents whose kids are going to take part you know um but i think a seminar is better than saying hey in our english 400 class this this semester, we're going to read this book.
0: But then, um, but then how do we increase, go I got one minute, how do we increase the empathy because you'd just be preaching to the choir?
1: You know, I don't think so. 18-year-olds, I don't think you would be preaching to a choir. I think you would get a cross-section because kids are going to have friends who are non-binary, non-binary kids are going to have friends who are non-binary, but also they're going to retain friends among sympathetic and compassionate you know, peers who are binary. So I don't, I think if it's handled correctly, I do believe this, and I've handled some pretty tough discussions with middle schoolers, I think it would be a great opportunity for people, 18 year olds, seniors, to get to know something maybe they didn't know before. I don't think you'd be preaching the choir. I don't think you'd get just one demographic in there.
0: All right, Annie Lorenzen is here for the hour. We're talking about Gender Queer, the number one banned book in the country. The source of increasing controversy, talk a little bit about the book, but the larger issues is are focus under what circumstances do we ban books, or in, in the case of annie 's arguments, under what circumstances do we restrict books we 've got news and traffic and weather. We want to hear from you as well all that' straight ahead on hometown radio. Happy Wednesday. Uh, The book is called uh, Gender Queer. It's currently the number one banned book in the country. Although with the controversy, it can end up selling even more copies. It's a graphic memoir of a young uh, non-binary person, meaning uh, born a woman. She doesn't identify as either male or female. Uh, She wrote this book to try to improve understanding, share her story. But it is rather graphic. Uh, Annie Lorenzen doesn't think that the book should be banned, but she's okay with it being restricted. On the Stolberg line, Annie, text number one, I think the Christian right is largely responsible for the increase of banned books. This is what repressive governments do in other countries. Religious ideologies should not be forced on the public. What say you? You
1: know, that is... That is one of the arguments that's out there, that everything that is considered traditional or conservative or uber-conservative, that it's all Christian-driven. There's a lot more going on in this conversation than somebody's religious belief. We're dealing with hormonal issues in a 12 to 18 age group, for example, because that's what we've been talking about, Um, you know, uh, gender identification, we're dealing with hormonal issues, with familial issues, with familial tradition, with cultural and, and community tradition. Not all of that is driven by the Christian conservatives. There are a lot of people in this world, in this country, in this community whose values are based on other than just religious tenets, and this is not a religious issue other than dignity, compassion. If you want to go into the Christian message, it's about love, acceptance, compassion, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's important. But I disagree that this is okay for anybody 12 to 18. I've already shared with you, I don't think everybody who's 18 can is ready for it either, but there's going to be many who are. Um, there are people who are so 40. There are people who are 40. Go ahead. There are people who are
0: 40 that may not be ready for it, Annie.
1: Oh, Dave, I was very uncomfortable when I started because it was forcing me to look at how do I look at book banning, but then how do I look at what's being banned? Mm -hmm. It makes me uncomfortable that we have children in this country who are offered so many things now that they may be curious about, but they're offered everything that's available about that curiosity, and they and their parents are not ready. And right. this is a community thing. So, right. yes, go ahead. No, Talk about fine. the two the two parents going into
0: mm-hmm. school. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you want in on this conversation with Annie, we'll take your phone calls or read your text messages. And we'll start with Mike in Los Osos. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dave. Hey, Annie. Hey, Mike. Uh, Hi Mike
2: Annie. I really appreciate uh you coming on and talking about this today. Uh, I totally agree with you that um that this should not be required by any means in the classrooms, but I also believe that uh, vo- uh- a voluntary an elective course maybe for seniors uh for for kids who want that um that that's you know something that could be looked at. Uh, you know uh, i can say that uh uh the parents my my children are in junior high right now and uh we are horrified um at what um is going on at their school Mm -hmm. Um, our children want to leave the school um their child grooming is rampant uh it's uh and and what does that
0: mean mike what does that mean i'm sorry the phrase child uh, grooming it's the so so
2: in in the classes and all over the school the teachers are openly pushing the lgbtq uh, agenda the pride flags in the classrooms it's so disgusting and it's had such a profound effect on the kids that kids that i know that are too young to even to even talk to even know what sexuality they are they're identifying as trans because of the social media and everything else. It's clear-cut child abuse. Mm, um, right. as, far as, the, as far as the book banning goes, it's, it's a real simple concept, okay? Book banning, when it comes to impressionable children who we are protecting them from sick adult content, okay, and indoctrination, that is okay and that we should be doing that. Book banning for adults is wrong across the board and i for some reason leftists have this problem they they're, they're okay with banning speech in books for adults but when it comes to sexual sexual deviancy in books uh, in kitty porn for children they're against book banning and, they, yeah. and it's just disgusting and i have yeah. to tell you it the what what they have done the the yeah. left have okay. stolen my children's childhood they yeah. have
0: stolen Mm
2: it and and countless others and i'm telling you the parents are furious Uh, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right mike thanks for the call Danny respond please
1: um his his words and the emotion behind them i hear all the time and it's the issue of a child's readiness as the child develops and what's and, and here are these sweet still sweet still compassionate, accepting kids that are being, many times, it's a form of force feeding something to them because they may run into it and they will probably run into it when they're older, but they're not ready when when a lot of the material is presented. So it's confusing. Here's a kid who wants to do what's right and be kind to somebody who's different or who's struggling. So their sympathy automatically goes to the other kid, which is, I'm happy to understand they're sympathetic or empathetic, but it's confusing to them individually because it's it's too soon for them experientially, familially, or community-wide.
0: Even at 18?
1: I'm not talking about 18.
0: Right. But, I'm just, I, but I'm talking yeah.
1: about an 18-year-old. There are going to be many. It's not just it's not, we're talking about a minority. We're not talking even about 50% of a school's population being lgbtqts we're mm-hmm. not we're not there right. it's not fifty percent it's way it's not ten percent
0: why does the number so, why does the number matter what if it's one percent
1: if we if we are a community of people who care about one another that means hopefully in an ideal world I understand nowadays we are being respectful of somebody else's varying beliefs or whatever but it is for the greatest good that we make our decisions especially when it comes to children wow. how many what's the greatest good are mm. we are we going which we have done so far are we saying this minority deserves extra special attention so did, sometimes they does, do. does
0: that apply then when two parents come out and complain about a book do we listen to the minority then annie
1: in that case, that would be on a case-to-case, but that is a very small part of an already larger community. Right. So to make a decision based on that small piece that affects the greatest percentage, that's not fair. Just like it's not fair for the greatest percentage to decide to totally stomp on or deny the small percentage. Let me get We get to have here. to come yeah. to common ground.
0: Let's get to Susan in San Louis. Hi, Susan.
1: Oh hi. hi. Um hello Annie and hello Dave. Hi Susan. Thanks hi Susan. Uh,
3: great conversation. Great conversation. Thank
0: you. What's your take um, on it?
3: Well, I wanna just before I forget, say that I don't like the term or I don't agree with the term that caller Mike used Kitty porn. I don't see librarians, professionals who have to read reviews, have to give Thoughtful consideration to what books they buy for their libraries. I don't think that they are going to willfully choose, as he called it, "kitty porn." So I just that kind of uh, was something that raised a red flag for me Noted. to judge. Of course, sure, of course. The sure. other that, that's um, the thing that I just wanted that
1: divides. Go ahead. Yeah. Pardon me. That, I didn't yeah. hear what you that's, said. that's the rhetoric that becomes divisive, and. And he didn't mean it to be inflammatory, but it is inflammatory, if you know what I mean.
0: Of course Mike meant it to be inflammatory, but that's another story. Go ahead, Susan.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, so um, my two cents in this conversation is that I wholeheartedly 100% support the American Library Association's freedom to read philosophy and principle. I think that Everyone has a freedom to read, including twelve to eighteen year olds and I read about this author she was dyslexic and didn't couldn't even read until she was eleven so she was dyslexic she was questioning and trying to find who she was and she ended up writing this or writing and drawing because she has a degree in being a a uh, comic artist as well as writer, comic. Um So she grew up to write this award-winning book, and what wow. I read was, and in most cases of memoirs, or in many cases of memoirs, it's to help at least one other person not feel alone. <laughs> and so my guiding principle in this book would be, if it's a 12-year-old or an 18-year-old, if if this book helps that twelve-year-old not feel alone, crazy, right. like their life is not worth living, then this book matters, and this that's book true. needs to be freely on a shelf. All right, so that's,
0: let's hear from that's, Annie. That's stay, that's stay with us, Susan. Annie, if it helps one student,
1: we're, we're, you know, I, I totally get that, and my value is to not leave or harm somebody as much as possible, and to obviously help them be the best person they can be, whatever that means for them. But I just, Susan and I are going to disagree about leaving that book on shelves for any 12- to 18-year-old to pick up because it will be marketed, even though it wasn't written for that age group, it was written for adults. She has said that over and over again. Um, I disagree with allowing it to be freely read on a shelf by just any kid. Because a lot of kids are not ready, and a lot of their families are not ready. And part of the problem is, the first one to admit it, I did a lousy job on teaching my kids about the birds and the bees. And I don't mean that to diminish what I, what you have to right. tell kids. and help right. kids. Right. But, but that being said, our culture is no better at this stage in life, I'm sorry to say, at least this culture, is no better about educating their kids about their own bodies. And no wonder, with all the onslaught of information available to those kids, no wonder there is so much confusion and so much pain. Okay. So Susan Susan and I will just disagree about that part.
0: Susan, anything else you want to say?
1: Um, I just want to say that
3: we talk a lot about the problem, but... Um, I would love to hear brainstorming about solutions, and one solution that I would like to offer is that any person on a school board, any parent, any concerned citizen should be required, and I don't use should very often, but they should be required to read the book before, um, before they're making any kind of policy for anybody else, including children or adults as Amen. to limiting access to a book or deciding whether they can read that book. I think we can um, agree on that. I myself, have, right. I myself have not read the book, but I just placed a hold on it at the San Luis Obispo yes. library system. I'm number five, and hmm. I want to read this and decide for myself, and I think that should be a requirement right. for any book is pulled from a library.
0: I think we all agree on that, Annie, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. All right. We do. I got to get this break in. Susan, thank you. We'll be back for a final segment with Annie Lorenzen. We're live. We're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. Mr. Rick London is in the studio after news at the top of the hour. I'm Dave Congleton. We're in our final segment with Annie Lorenzen talking about genderqueer, currently the number one banned book in the country. There are parents all over the place who are concerned that young people have access to this memoir of a young non-binary person. Annie is against book banning, but she's okay with it being restricted under certain circumstances. If you want in on this conversation, though, we would need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Annie on the Stolberg line, I agree with Annie and Mike who just called in. Do not force feed sexuality in our schools to our children. Social Mm -hmm. pressure to fit in exacerbates student, child to fit in, and something they have no history with or knowledge of, but rather just go along with the crowd.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's back in the, in the uh, parents deserve, parenting is hard enough, especially nowadays, and parents deserve to be able to approach some things with their kids. I think this book would be really, really helpful for a lot of people because it would stimulate conversation about, about this issue, about the ways that children come of age with themselves. Um, On the other hand, it also, because of the graphic nature of it, and I won't know until I get it from the library myself, the graphic nature of it, it becomes in the wrong children's hands, the wrong teenager's hands, the wrong young adult hands, it becomes a how-to. It becomes a guidebook.
0: So what's your fear? What's the worst that could happen?
1: What what I th- I think what the worst thing that's going to happen is already happening. All the confusion around this issue rises up to the top, and anybody who is the slightest afraid, a slight has the slightest fear about not being able to introduce their children in what they consider as a timely fashion to certain things, or anybody who is a stressed single parent is afraid that that their child is going to be introduced to something long before they're ready. And it's going to muddy a conversation that should be had. Hmm. That's what my greatest fear is. And it develops into more divisions.
0: On the Stolberg line, do the current assessment of human brain physical maturity, those under 18 years old are legally restricted from their independent choice of serving in the military, voting, deciding laws and candidates to represent our country, and even full rights to driving a car? What justifies books encouraging the underage to decide their sexuality?
1: Hmm. Okay, what, what, I'm trying to figure out what, what, what this person is saying. Can you help me well, with that?
0: Well, basically, they're arguing that those under the age of 18, uh, they can't serve in the military, they can't oh, vote, okay. they, they can't, can't drink, drive a car. Yeah, okay. So why is, why is that old enough for them to talk about sexuality?
1: Because right. they're it, having and sex. And may not be. They're, it they're may doing not be. sex.
0: They're kids. They're having sex.
1: <laughs> Jay, because somebody's having sex does not mean that they are ready to be having sex. I agree. Because someone knows what fellatio is does not mean that that person understands or is ready to know what fellatio is. So too early introduction to a lot of things is not healthy because the person loses sight of of who they are
0: i can't believe you're saying felicia on my show
1: well you're the one that brought up you know helping yourself (laughs) lord i know i know but but there it that's a very different you know there's we are forgetting the majority of kids and they're already in other areas Being robbed of a childhood because they're overscheduled in the sports, they're overscheduled socially. You know, there's all these other things that the modern family is forced to deal with. And and although worthy information on one level, this graphic novel, however worthy that information is on one level that this graphic novel provides. I keep coming back. It was written for adults.
0: Well, and, and um, you, you keep saying that, but where where do you pull that from, Annie?
1: There's a couple reviews online. I can't like I said earlier. Um, there's there's more than one review online that talks about written for adults, but of interest to twelve to eighteen year olds, hmm. and that is because the memoir deals with her between the age of twelve and eighteen, roughly. Hmm. All right. So. You know, and then now we have book distributors who put in young adult fiction where it's not, they're not really young adults yet. 12 year old, sorry, is not a young adult in most cases. So what are we doing and how, how schooled are we who make the decisions for our kids.
0: And I, uh, as, as we wrap things up, personally, I think it comes down to community values. There are going to be some places in the country where the school districts are just fine with it, and it's going to be in the library and perhaps even taught in the classes. And there are going to be other uh, school districts where this book will not be allowed. Of course, depending upon the and values it will of the community,
1: who's the loudest, most most voluble. And voluble, And, you know, who is the majority or let's just put this way, who is the most vocal voice? And it might be a very vocal minority who really drives all that, because people like myself who are old enough to still struggle with a lot of these things, if we're struggling and we're unsure, we get accused of being bigoted and we're not. It's not about that. We admit we have biases. We admit we have fears. But then that lumps us automatically, and many other conservatives, it lumps us automatically into, oh, you're anti.
0: On the Stolberg line, no. uh, one last text on the Stolberg line. The elephant in the living room is the Internet. Kids of all ages are seeing mm-hmm. all sorts of things that you're talking about, and even worse, either on their phone or from friends.
1: Texture right. has a point. Right. However, this is a book with turning pages that they can sit with. It's not bites of things. Now, that's, in all respect to the person on the Spielberg line, you can get a lot of stuff on YouTube that would raise your hair or remove your hair. You know, it's just, it's all out there, but this is different. It's, you know, saying that this is okay on a library shelf. It also, if some children are not tied into the Internet as much, it is an opportunity to get out to kids that because they're not on the Internet, they haven't heard any of these terms, they don't know about it, then they become confused and they become, you know, curious without any direction for that curiosity, without any consideration of where they are in their brain development, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Another wonderful and, conversation
0: with okay. Annie Lorenzen comes to an end. We thank our friend, wish her a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good job, Annie. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dave. Same to you all. Off we go. We got
0: news, traffic, weather. Rick London is in the house. This is Hometown Radio.